0: Greetings and welcome. My name is Mike Bankhead. I am your host. I remain a bass player and songwriter from the Gem City, Dayton, Ohio. Today, I am talking to Brittany Bliss and Reed Gibbons. They are a husband and wife band from Chico, California. That's Chico, California. Their band is called Brittany and the Bliss Tones. Yeah, that's our guest today on... You will find that Reed has an excellent radio voice that works beautifully for podcasts, and they have lots of interesting stories to tell, including one that involves me. Let's get to it.
1: Hey there, Brittany and Reed. Reed and Brittany, how are you today?
2: We're hot, but we're good. It's gonna be 111 degrees here where we live.
1: Oh, dear me. Is uh, is Chico on fire at the moment?
2: No, thankfully not. Just flames from the sun.
1: It, it is a California thing for there to sometimes be fires, I see on the news. So, yeah. Oh,
2: yes. Yes, cool. but thankfully none none near us at the moment. But we're definitely inside with the air conditioning for, for the rest of the day.
1: Well, yeah, that's, that's awful. Um, is Chico a small town? Because given its name, I would think it should be.
2: <laughs> well it's uh yeah, it is pretty small. It's about a hundred hundred, ten thousand people. But uh we're very fortunate because it is a college town only about three hours away from San Francisco. It gets on the circuit. Um so we get a lot of acts coming through here and we actually have a pretty vibrant music scene here. So it's it's not a bad place to be stuck for two musicians. Right we
3: indeed. I was very shocked when I moved here. The uh the size of the art community in a town this size. I was just not expecting that, but it's it's just, it's pretty nice.
1: Well, that's pretty awesome. I I like talking to musicians that are happy with their art communities because it makes right, the business is hard enough if it is. So having a supportive community behind you makes it a little less difficult to manage, right?
3: Absolutely. I mean, we found the same thing in Austin, right? That's I think more or less musicians are generally happy to help each other. And so having a vibrant community of people willing to help out is uh, just a whole lot better when there's more of them.
2: Yeah.
1: Yep. So we're going to go chronological order backwards. I'm going to like tell a story in reverse. It might not work, but it worked. It worked in my head. So
3: uh, it worked in memento.
1: (laughs) It did work in memento. What a weird yet brilliant film that was, right?
3: No kidding.
1: Uh, I met
3: you both
1: on Friday, August 26th at the C-Baby DIY Musician Conference in Austin, Texas. Instead of me telling that story, how about you tell that story? How did you stumble upon me?
2: Well, uh, a mutual friend, new friend to us. uh, I had seen Gail playing in the jam room on a bass, and I forgot to introduce myself to her. And we had been, we knew we were playing at the artist uh, Artist showcase um, at Empire, and you know, there's just me on ukulele and read on drums. And so normally we do play with a full band, you know, guitarist, bassist, um, and sometimes keyboard. And so I was kind of looking for Gail at the open mic and I was describing her to Reed, And I was like, just be on the lookout. And um, when I went up to her, she said, yeah, you know, I can play bass for kids. <laughs> It's like my fourth instrument and she turned around and pointed at you, Mike, and said, but Mike is a bassist. (laughs) And so I just, uh, in my usual not shy manner, was like, hi, I'm Brittany, do you want to play music with us tomorrow? (laughs) And you said yes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, congratulations on not being shy. I think a lot of musicians have a hard time talking to people at a conference, even though we all know we're supposed to talk to people there sometimes it can be hard to make yourself go talk to a stranger but i mean we're all independent musicians it's, we have something in common from the get-go right
3: exactly that's true but i, I can sympathize I, I try to delegate as much talking to other humans as is necessary to Brittany because <laughs> she likes it and is good at it and i am less so that's why she stands on the front of the stage with the microphone and I am sitting down in the back behind a wall of equipment.
1: <laughs> we uh, we managed to play three of your songs the next night on Saturday at the showcase. By the way, congratulations for being selected for that. That's pretty awesome.
2: Thank you. But that
1: almost didn't happen. Why did that almost not happen?
2: <laughs> well, um... In typical uh, m- miscommunication style that, that can happen when you do everything over email, I thought, if based off of some stage plots that were sent to us prior, um, it looked like there was going to be a full bl- backline, you know, with with the drum kit as well as a bass that they were just going to have at Empire. And you know, I had sent you our chord sheets and our Spotify links and you know, we were texting back and forth and you were getting so excited and then I found out at soundcheck, oh, there's no bass and CD Baby's not going to be bringing the bass that was at open mic over. And so we then then everything changed to all right, we're just going to be looking for somebody with a bass, And I I couldn't find anybody until about 20 minutes before our set. You you can take it from here, Reid, because you did this part.
3: Yeah, well, first, I'd, I'd like that to sink in for anybody in the audience who is a musician. Imagine under the impression that your entire setup is backlined. You travel to another state without your stuff in full confidence that the backline will be there. And then you show up to sound check and find out it is not that is not fun um I mean me and Brittany will play you know restaurants or stuff, just the two of us, so we certainly could you know play the show and it would have been fine and it would have been fun, but you know we met at an open mic, and that particular open mic was very well known for just jamming with people you've never played with before um not all open mics are that way but this one kind of was um one of our favorite stories actually was very early in our relationship Brittany got up and you know started playing a progression on her ukulele it was just a little ditty there wasn't any lyrics or anything and i joined her on drums and there just happened to be a cypher crew in the audience who were gonna go on later. But one of them decided what we were playing was cool enough that they just had to get up and start rapping over it. And so that person did. The rest of the Cypher crew noticed. So they all got up on stage. Other rappers who were just in the audience also got up on stage. So everybody's just passing the microphone around. And we just play the same progression for like 15 straight minutes. And it was so cool. It was very, very fun. And we, we got done and, you know, finally shut the song down because it wasn't going to stop if we didn't stop it. Um, but we finished it and we got off stage. And I just remember Britney looking at me and she was like, oh, my God, that was so fun. I had never had that happen before. And I'm like, yeah, that was really awesome. By the way, you're bleeding. And she looks down and she had strummed so hard on the ukulele. That she actually broke open one of her fingers. And uh, that was, that was, was my
2: Iggy pop hip hop moment.
3: Yeah so anyway
2: pretty rock and roll uh,
3: yeah exactly (laughs) i love that story um but to get back to the the story we were trying to tell before that digression um so when we found out that we were selected and only the two of us were going to be there from the band we were immediately like we yeah it's full of musicians we gotta find some people To play with us and kind of recapture that you know let's all just get up and have fun whether it's a disaster or whether it's a you know a beautiful thing it's just going to be fun either way so let's let's try to work that out so that was the plan and we found you and that was fantastic um but to bring us back to the story um there's no base and at the venue they were alternating between two stages so there was no break in music while they could do the setup on the other stage and on the outside stage at the time was this fantastic punk band, all female punk band that were just killing it. I mean, improper punk style. The bassist was climbing up on the bass drum and jumping off of it like they, they had it going on. Um, but they were to wrap up. And then inside was a singer, um, songwriter playing the piano was going on. And then we were next. So we were like 20 minutes away from supposed to take the stage. And we had tried everybody else that we could think of. We, you know, had locals who were reaching out to friends that they knew that had bases like this was an, an all call. Can we get a bass in here? And, and now we're 20 minutes to show time and there's nothing there. So our last chance is this all female punk band and they rap, finish their last song and start packing up. And I go up to the stage and just, you know, ask the woman, Hey, you guys were dope. That was awesome weird question can we borrow your base and she's like uh yeah just give me your phone number so we hand her a business card so she knows how to get a hold of us so we don't walk off with her base and she's like there's only one problem um i broke the strap um strap peg on the bottom of the base so you can borrow it but you're gonna have to sit down and play it i'm like cool whatever that's it's all we got and so that was it you know 20 minutes before we're down to the wire we have one shot left and and it worked out because somebody who never met us yeah. from i don't know where just finished playing a really great set and was just like absolutely take this you know i don't know what kind of base it was but they're not cheap you know have this several hundred to thousand dollar thing and just handed it to us uh and that was really really cool of course we didn't realize at the time but you found out rather quickly mike was that i think they had either a full half-step or a (laughs) full-step tuned down on all of their instruments. Oh, it
1: was way flat. It would have been nice if I had known that. Then I would have just, you know, not bothered and just transposed everything. But, uh, yeah, I found out. I figured it out. I the I was on the third string. I'm like, oh, it's all been a whole step in. That would have been nice. uh So I'm going to show this fan some love because when we first walked in, they are up there covering a Mudhoney song from the late 80s, and none of these young ladies were alive when that song was out. And, I mean, there's a whole lot of punk bands out there that they could have chosen, and that is not one that I was expecting to hear some really, really young folks playing. Uh, yeah. So that band is from Austin, Texas, and they are called Die Spitz, D-I-E space F-P-I-T-Z. I believe I spelling that right. And a yes. very friendly young bass player is Kate. And it is it was Kate's bass, which was I mean, I was a big dude. It was really diminutive on me. <laughs> but it worked. And I gotta play your songs. And and also you guys had Eva, uh, the very lovely piano player that was on before you, Eva Birch, uh, play play the songs as well. How much notice did Eva have?
2: Uh, so we we met her at soundcheck 3 hours prior. So we had met you a full 24 hours prior to meeting Eva. <laughs> so we were like, you know, old time friends compared to to meeting Eva and I I just um fell in love with her set and um you know, there was a little bit of talk of like, oh well, if we can't find a bass, then maybe Eva could play, but then, you know, what didn't take very very long into eva's first song where i said oh let's just hand her the chord sheets and see if she'll just join in anyway and she said yes she had she had unlike you she had not even heard the songs um but we had printed out chord sheets and you know she's berkeley uh, school of music trained so it was not an issue for her at all and she really i really loved the energy and um you know vibe that she brought on the keys and she changed into electric piano for mermaid which was so yummy that she did that because it it fits so well with that that third song we did um, but I, I did just want to back up for one second and say that i wish somebody had taken a picture of my face when reed walked into the back room where we were mike with with the bass in hand <laughs> it's like <laughs> that uh emoji with like the stars for eyes i don't know something like that i was i was so so excited that worked out so yeah Eva had um five minutes notice five to five to twenty minutes notice depending on
3: yeah and I probably could have given her a little bit more of a heads up because I I just kind of forget that the second song we played Serenity um we drop into a little six eight thing in the middle of that and you
1: totally do I noticed it right away on my first listen
3: yeah we, we could have warned her I just handed her the, the their chord sheets. They're just chords over lyrics is what they are. So it's not, you know, there's no time signatures. There's no BPM. There's none of that stuff. Um, but just handed it to her and she's like, yeah, well, we'll figure it out. You know, if I can't figure out what to play, I won't play anything. Kind of what you, what you said um, and I was like, yeah, you know, there's a few stops in some of the songs, but I'll make it as obvious as I can, and completely forgot to warn her that we're we're gonna go from four four to six eight in the middle of one song with like no warning. So, (laughs) good luck. Um, But we did okay, you know, we made it through.
2: We did more than okay at the end of our set. Um, Rachel, um, I think her last name is Maxon. Uh, she has some beautiful music. Um, she yelled out, "Be a band!" <laughs> so people, people really responded well. Uh, Kevin, the SVP of Artist Services at CD Baby, was in the room and and talked to me afterwards and just said said how wonderful it was to see the room keep getting more and more people. We kept call, you know, we kept pulling people in during our set, and I think a big reason of that was that we had. You know, you and Eva helped, you know, filling out the sound and, and helping us with that. So it, it was a pretty amazing experience.
3: Yeah. If, if there's anything that you want behind a ukulele, it's a bass. Oh, yeah. You really want to fill out those frequencies. And my God, are we glad yeah. you were there?
1: It was fun. Uh, and, you know, especially since I got the chance to listen to your songs first, I understood why you needed a bass so badly. It's not like you can't, like you said earlier, it's not like you can't do this song without it. But, man, some of those bass lines on your stuff are mighty tasty, and they bring a lot of movement. In. And after I was listening to the song, I was like, man, I wish they brought a violinist, too. Because you guys, you can go to those sometimes. Uh, I feel like I watched a live a live performance that you had a violinist, and it was great.
2: Oh, yeah. Yep. She's, she's incredible. She doesn't live near us, but we, we would love to. We would love to have, you know, just like a full Elvis thing with a, just a, a stage full of <laughs> string section, horn section, you know, uh, all the all the other instruments. That w- that's our dream to to eventually have. Uh, we do play with a horn player sometimes here locally, who's just incredible, um, but he's also in multiple bands and in very high demand. So. Um, there's there's plenty of shows he can't make it to, but, but yeah, I mean, just the, the experience of of meeting you and then 24 hours later being on stage was 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 really great.
1: That's something I'm never going to forget, and I mean, that's one of those things that makes all the effort that we put in the music worth it, it's just, I just like to play. And I know all the musicians who are listening are just nodding, right? We, we just like to play. And especially if you're playing music that you believe in, and, and folks uh, in that Britney and the Blistown, their songs are good. So it was fun to play them. And was it a little nerve-wracking? Yes. And I'm glad I didn't know at the time that Kevin Bridge was in the room, because I might have been even more nervous. But <laughs> That was a lot of fun. Um, I will definitely never forget it. I'm glad you asked.
3: Yeah, it's a, a peak experience for sure. Oh,
2: absolutely.
3: But that's that's one of the jokes we have when we we talk to people when we're booking shows. It's you know we we don't charge anything to play music, but we do charge as much as we can to move our music equipment in and out. <laughs> that's that's what you're paying for.
1: Let's talk about La La Love You. Not La yep. La Love You. La La Love. When did this five song EP get released?
2: So we started releasing it in February of this year of 2022. Uh, We released uh, Mermaid first, then sometimes a month later, and then uh, La La Love, the title track um, in April. And then in May, um, on May 13th, we released all five songs. Um, And that was also the day we were uh, having a very large wedding celebration and i just want to put it out there for any musical couples don't do that don't don't do it it was it was
3: don't hold your wedding reception and your album release party (sighs) on the same day at the same venue back to back
2: yeah it was it was it was too much
3: you think it's a good idea nine months prior when you booked uh. the venue or realized um, when because we work with a PR agency to do the release. And so they helped us lay out the calendar and we're like, wow. So the album's supposed to fully release really close to the day that we have our wedding reception. We could save <laughs> yes. money and use the same venue. <laughs> it sounds like a good idea. It's not. Don't no,
2: don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, but yeah, they the songs were, um, you know, Mermaid and La La Love were older songs. Uh, Reed and I met in December of 2017 at an open mic, as he mentioned earlier, and just kind of were collecting ditties and odd, odd little song things that we thought were cool little progressions. Uh, But I did La La Love was a song I wrote like in 20 minutes and it pretty much hasn't changed uh, there's a bridge that has changed but that has pretty much stayed the same for four years now um and la la love definitely went through some revisions lyrically and then with a, a fun bridge section that got added later but the other three songs um were all written um during lockdown and we had taken a songwriting class from Ryan Tedder, ironically,
3: um, on how to write pop music yep, that you but, can sell to pop artists. Yep,
2: but it worked for us because it just kind of got us, you know, more comfortable with co-writing and working on concepts together. And during during the you know peak of lockdown, um, we finished we we wrote and finished three songs, you know dusted off lala love and mermaid and basically nobody was doing anything live at this point um everything was shut down and so we went to fiverr and got musicians from all over the world with the exception of the bass on the album that is our our bassist uh tito who's an amazing uh solo act as well called thunder lump uh reed does drum drums for him as well um, but everything else on that album is like italian flautist and russian viola player and Somebody from a country I can't Macedonia. Macedonia. Yeah, which doesn't even sound like a real country. Um, no offense to any Macedonians listening. It does sound like a real country, but I just hadn't heard of it that much. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a little bit of, about La La
3: Love. Yeah. If you if you need a bass clarinetist and you don't know one. Fiverr. Go to Fiverr <laughs> because you're going to get, you know, the person who plays in their Philharmon the National Philharmonic Orchestra, yep. who just wants a couple bucks on the side. So for the low low price, I think like I want to say it was like twenty five or thirty bucks is what we paid for the another for that part. Back.
1: Global economy working in your favor.
3: Yeah, this did present another problem though, which was now we have um, like King Fear. one of the songs that we wrote during lockdown and it's on this album it's on all streaming platforms for anybody who wants to go but any musicians amongst you if you listen there's a lot of instruments in that song that that whole song is basically one big crescendo and one of the ways that it crescendos is by you know adding instruments additional instruments um when lockdown started to lift and we were able to go play live again we now have all of these songs that were written And we don't have a band anymore. Like we have our bass player, but the rest of the people we had to kind of find and put back together and rebuild this band up and then figure out how we're going to perform these songs live. So the live versions of these songs sound different than the album versions, if for no other reason than they're.
2: We don't have a flautist yet.
3: Right. You know, (laughs) um, but we do have this amazing guitar player now. He's probably the newest member of the band. Um, But he writes, he's, you know, he went to school for it. He's classically trained in guitar, but also plays any other genre. Um, But he likes to write interesting parts, um, stuff that I never would have thought of, you know, and, and that brings a whole different layer and a whole different vibe. the songs and we play them live so it's really fun because even in the songwriting process as the song reveals to you what it wants to be and Mm -hmm. when you learn to get out of its way and give it what it wants it becomes a better song but i think it was saint vincent who who said you know songs are never done you just eventually release them and that really rings true with us because these songs are still changing and evolving Mm -hmm. uh in our live performances
1: Kind of uh you just came back from the cd baby conference what kind of education did you take from that experience that is going to help you in your career going forward
2: well you know
1: sort of an answer if you wish
2: yes yeah um you know for me there were there were a lot of like practical and tactical things that are you know particularly around you know some things that that came came up for me around what to do about TikTok, because, you know, we are a married couple that are in a band together and write music together, and there are a lot of funny things that come out of that. (laughs) Um, And I was like, you know, that that might be, you know, when I, I attended the TikTok session, I was like, that that could be a great avenue to share some of those you know kind of reenactment of a of a funny moment that that happens um and also some lessons along the way um and there were there were other things um you know I, I went I attended the having a day job by the pianist um and also being a musician and and that was really wonderful with a lot of mindset stuff but for me you know, walking away from that event, I think one of the biggest takeaways was just that reminder that, you know, you can get lost in the metrics, you know, number of streams, number of followers. And none of that really means anything at the end of the day. If if you're not, if you've got if you've forgotten your own why. And, you know, Kevin Bruner told the story about, you know, his band doing a house concert and um this guy requesting a song that you know if you just look at the metrics out of their i don't know something like 150 songs it doesn't even come close to what you would consider a quote success if you're just looking at you know the metrics and the data yeah number
3: number of streams i think you said it's not even in the top 50.
2: right right it's way down there but this this guy who hired them to come to the house concert you know and it made kevin very emotional it makes me emotional he, he told them after the concert you know that song helped me through a really dark time of my life and helped me get through it and you know, I really resonated with that because as, as we were talking about at the beginning of this podcast, you know, we had a really awful deadly fire, just one town over in 2018, you probably heard of the campfire in paradise, California. Um, and a friend of mine lost her home, lost everything. And I happened to be doing a 30 day ukulele challenge at the time, uh, like maybe two or three months after the campfire. And she told me months later, um, that that was the one thing she had to look forward to was to log onto her computer and see what was Britney going to play that day and it helped her get through that time and just you know I do remember that story uh, often but it was something about hearing it come from another musician that's like it's like Exactly. I can get so lost right in that, like, okay, what am I going to do to get more, get more lessons, get more followers and all that's part of the deal. And it's not anything you shouldn't be paying attention to, but when you forget that at the end of the day, we're, we're doing this magical thing that, that uplifts people, that inspires people that, you know, helps people party, whatever, whatever it, your, your jam is, you know, that, that was something for me that like was a real like a a, something I really am coming home and cherishing
3: yeah for anybody listening that may not fully understand what happened with that campfire I just want to this the fire started at 6 a.m. it was noticed shortly thereafter sometime between 6 and 7 o'clock by noon so we're talking in the span of six hours the entire town of Paradise was gone by the time people knew there was a fire to the time the amount of time they had to get out it, it was it was crazy it was one of the fastest moving fires definitely the the deadliest yeah. i think still in california yes. history um and that that's the town next to ours i mean the the skies were black in the middle of the day and the sun would shine through and it, it just red it was it looked like the apocalypse mm-hmm. um it, it was a really really intense time and just to know that you know Brittany playing one song and posting it every single day on social media was the one thing that gave this woman the chance to remember that there is beauty in life after losing literally everything she owned everything um I mean there's a lot of power in that and that's that's the greatest thing so it's uh it's emotion right that's that's music we're, we're connecting with people on an emotional level whatever that emotion is may be different between artists, but that's ultimately at the end of the day, what that's all about, just connecting with other people. And that's, you know, what we got to do with you, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Now it is time to delve into more memories of the distant past. Ooh. I mean, distant past, but I feel like you guys are younger than me. So maybe it's not quite as far as it would be for me. What was the first song that you can remember hearing? in your
3: life. The William Tell Overture. Nice. I don't know why this is. There is in my house growing up, my dad was the one who controlled the radio. And according to my father, no music was made after 1959. (laughs) So this was all Everly Brothers and Elvis Presley and, you know, Fats Domino that kind of stuff except for some reason I've never asked him it never occurred to me to ask him but now it's occurring to me so I need to he had a tape in his car of the William Tell overture and it became a thing that every time we got in the car we would play it it was just part of the ceremony of getting in the car and going somewhere and I have no earthly idea why he had that tape because he didn't listen to anything else from that genre everything else was 50s rock and roll but yeah so that was that's the first song i can remember hearing
2: i'm having a tough time because my parents listened to so much music but if i had to guess i'm gonna go with the doors Uh, or actually the velvet underground and i was so little that i thought he was saying carol ann not heroin because i didn't know what heroin was So I was like, oh, it's a nice song about Carol Ann. So I'm yeah, I'm gonna go with heroin by the Velvet Underground.
1: (laughs) That's actually I mean, your parents were giving you like any by listening to Velvet Underground.
2: Oh yes. Big time. (laughs) (laughs) William tells Overture and heroin.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It gives you more than I remember the William. Yeah, one of those I remember because it was the theme song to the Lone Ranger, but I don't think I discovered it was underground until I was like 19 or 20. Yep. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and my mom was really big into Motown, and then my dad was really big into anybody that played at Woodstock and beyond. So I grew up with quite an eclectic soundtrack, which was wonderful.
1: You also grew up with a lot of really good basses.
2: Yes, indeed.
1: <laughs> I was, of course, thinking of, uh, singing, Anderson, uh, of the same James Gamerson page from it before Shrinks. we play on just about all of the town stuff.
3: Yeah. All
1: right. One more, again, standard question I ask pretty much everybody is what did your childhood smell like? I stole that from a friend, so it's not my question.
3: Chocolate chip cookies. My chocolate chip cookies is what it smelled like. Is that was that the question? Did I hear that right? Yeah,
2: but he wants to know if it was the texture, <laughs>
1: crunchy. Or
3: oh. Soft. Uh
2: Yeah, I'm going beyond the
1: smell.
3: Oh, I see. <laughs> now we're into textures. We are. The texture of my childhood was was crunchy. <laughs> um I love my mother and she baked a lot. Um but tended to be very dry and whatever it is that she she would make. So <laughs> But there was there was always chocolate chip cookies.
1: That's wonderful. Hmm.
2: I'm thinking um, this isn't a this isn't a family friendly podcast, right? I can I can be real up in here.
0: You can be real. It is a PG
1: podcast. Say what you want, and I'll just edit it later if I have to.
2: Okay. Well, my childhood smelled like marijuana. <laughs>
1: Oh, no, that's not cursing. That's fine. Okay. I mean, in your state, it is perfectly legal to consume marijuana in
2: public. This is correct.
1: Today. Yep. Uh, whereas in my state, it is not.
2: Yeah, it's... Uh...
1: One of the adjustments I have to make when I go to L.A., I'm just, I mean, you can't be a musician and not you know what we smell like, but uh, I'm not used to seeing people wandering around public smoking once.
2: Uh, oh my goodness i went to new york uh in june new york city and times square is just a giant hot box now it's 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 kind of disturbing I'm like you know when people are drinking in the streets that that also brings up challenges but there's just it's such a strong smell i mean i grew up i i was born in 77 so i don't know if you're younger than me or older than me but um you know that stuff was a lot weaker when my dad was smoking it when i was a kid um and nancy reagan was going on and on and i was very i had a, i had a big crisis of faith i was like wait but she's saying just say no but my dad says yes what what should i do
3: <laughs> Just say maybe. <laughs> I also uh, was born in 77,
1: and I totally remember the the Dare shirts in elementary school and all of that stuff.
2: Yep.
3: Yeah, it was a thing.
1: It was a thing, depending on, on what circles you ran in. Um, what's your cast name?
3: Well, we have two. The one you're hearing, her name is Shadow, but because of my children, she thinks her name is Do, as in Scooby-Doo, that kind of Do. So she responds to Do. And uh, Brittany also has a cat.
2: My cat is uh, a music lover and will we'll sit as close to, sometimes we have rehearsal down in our studio that Reed, Reed built a studio in our apartment garage, which is pretty Pretty incredible. Um, we have a full, full drum kit down there, but f- if it's gonna be a smaller practice, he'll just be on Cajon up here in the apartment. And my cat, well, I, I swear, she will get as close to the musicians as possible and just sit there and purr. And Reed's cat is totally, in fact, if we wanna get her out of the room, all you have to do is strum a guitar and she's gone, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we might do in a second here if she doesn't shut up. <laughs>
1: <I love laughs> cats. And, uh, I I don't have one because my life's allergic, but uh Oh yes. yeah, I, I, I find the personality differences between them uh fascinating. This is a question I hate getting when I get interviewed and um so I'm passing along uh, the misery of this question to you.
2: Oh thank uh, you. Because I find it
1: kind of amusing. Well I just think it's cliche and boring to ask, but they have so many people ask it. It is uh so Brittany and listowns, what's next for you?
2: oh that's yeah that's that's not as horrible as i thought it was going to be
3: um no it's just really cliche
2: right right right. i
3: was afraid it was going to be what are your influences because that one always floors me like how how long do you have right We've got, i mean go going to answer
1: that one cause I, I like that question so you let's yeah, answer both too. now you
3: brought it up on yourself yes yes fair enough
2: so what's next for us is to um you know one of the things i did learn about a little bit more is we would like to do more live streaming. So um, that's something we're going to be working on this fall is kind of getting on a regular pattern of that, you know, going live and, and even maybe using some of the new YouTube functionality to bring folks that aren't you know folks like yourself even to you know jam with us or make music and just you know be part of the the virtual world that's not going away um anytime soon um one of those one of those you know silver linings from covid connecting with musicians you know more globally um we do want to also uh work on and finish our second album we've got um some songs already lined up and and some songs to finish um in in for that uh that'll probably come out next year and um yeah i think uh the other i'll just i'll speak about my influences really quick we already talked about velvet underground and the doors and motown um and then i discovered billy holiday in my late teens and just absolutely i don't know there's something about i mean i i just spent like a whole year just coming home from work as a waitress you know 18 19 years old putting on billy holiday like every night i just seeped myself in in her and i i i do cover georgia on my mind and i can hear i can hear those influences and and then i'm just one of those really eclectic people who you know if you open my spotify i've got i've got wu-tang and i've got enya and i've got everybody in between so there's there's a lot of different um things that make up my my musical influence you know ani defranco's a huge huge one as well for me um
3: kendrick lamar
2: yep basically a lot a lot of different a lot of different types of music influence me
3: yeah her, her spotify makes no sense <laughs> at all um i don't i just i never know how to answer what my influences are i mean Left to my own devices for enjoyment purposes only. I tend to listen to pretty heavy music, and I think that's because that's the genre that has the most interesting drum things happening. And there is certainly something about taste where I always do what the song wants. And sometimes the song doesn't want interesting drums. Sometimes the right thing to do is just the bass drum on one, then that's the right thing to do. And so that's fine. But, you know, being a drummer, I like to listen to music that has interesting drums, so I don't know how much of an influence I would say that is because that's not the kind of music we play. I mean, certainly it, it seeps in in places. Um, and typically in my head, when a song idea starts forming, it's, it's usually in like um, it could be in metal, it could be in post hardcore, but that's the kind of stuff that shows up into my head and then I try to translate the ideas that I hear from that into a sound that's more something like what we do. And that's not 100% of the time, but. So I mean it's just gotta be stuff in there, but uh, yeah. If you, if you haven't, if you're a musician and you haven't heard of Thank You Scientist, check them out. They're, they're super fun.
1: Where can people find you other than Brittanyandheblistones.com?
2: We have a YouTube of the same name or on Instagram, Brittany and the Bliss Tones, uh Facebook, Brittany and the Bliss Tones. There will be some very fun and interesting TikToks coming at Brittany and the Bliss Tones on, on TikTok. Um and then of course all the streaming streaming platforms, Spotify, Amazon, Apple Play, uh, or Apple Music, um, and you know deezer and all the
3: Ooh, wherever that is
2: yep i think there's like uh one... based France.
3: oh well good we need to run some ads to our french audience and see if we can get some deezer listeners i guess Yep. we're uh we do keep the website awesome. up to date we're a, a website first kind of a organization so all of our social links are right like top be. so Brittanyandtheblistones.com is the best place to go, and you'll find whatever you're looking to get to from there.
1: Yep. I will link to it in the show notes, and I'll probably also link to that video from Mermaid because uh, that was a fun watch. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much for spending time with me. I really appreciate it. I'm glad that Gail pointed you in my
3: direction on that uh,
1: fateful Friday in a dark room, straddle by
2: yeah shout out to gail
3: indeed (laughs) yeah it was so much fun i can't wait um i think we're going next year i don't know if you're going next year but uh we gotta get the
1: band i am absolutely going next year they have not announced where it's going to be yet um because i'm sure they're not you know they probably are taking a break after this one and maybe they'll get the planning i hope cleveland for selfish reasons, is across the state, but also, can you imagine a conference field trip to the Rock Hall of
2: Fame? I'd
1: be
2: cool with that.
3: Oh, that would not hurt my feelings.
2: That would be awesome.
3: Well, I, I just think there's going to be a little bit more back channel collusion before we all go to this next one because yes, I, I I I propose that uh, if any of us get selected, we have a backing band.
2: Yeah.
3: <laughs> I'm,
1: in. I'm in. I uh. The thing about not being selected is I didn't have to figure out how I was gonna get my base to Texas. I mean yes. I would like to have been selected and ultimately I was selected by you. But uh,
2: Yes <laughs>
1: Yeah. That's the moving moving uh, base is uh kind of a pain in the butt when you're flying, you know.
3: Oh, yeah, I can't imagine. Yeah, and it really depends on what airline you're on, because some of them are a little more friendly, and you can bring it on carry-on, and they put it in a closet, and others look at you, and they're like, there's no way you have to check that. And that's really putting a lot of trust in your case and the airlines to to check your guitar into the belly of the beast.
2: Thank you so much. This was awesome. Thank you
3: for taking the time.
0: Once again, I'd like to thank Brittany and Reed. Together, they are Brittany and the Blistones, It was amazing to meet them. It was a wonderful experience to play their songs. Uh, It's just really kind of hard to describe how cool it is, and I thank them for taking the time to come on the podcast. Hey, folks, when you get done listening to this episode of the You Could Be My Aramis podcast, I strongly recommend that you check out the music released by Brittany and the Blistones. You can start with that EP la la love have a lovely rest of your day bye